Hello and welcome back. I feel like the last episode ended kind of quickly and rather unpolished. If you've listened to it, then you'll know that I tried to explain what yoga is all about. And that can sometimes be a rather complicated task because unlike what the marketing world wants you to think yoga is, postures on a yoga mat, that's really a very small portion of what the practice is actually intended for. Yes, yoga is about posture practice, there is no doubt, but it's also about breathing and meditating and observing. And the postures are kind of like a gateway that you're invited to walk through and they provide you, the practitioner, an opportunity to get quiet enough to be able to breathe and to meditate and to learn to observe. You see, yoga is a mind training or maybe mind study is a better kind of word and analogy. And we use the body and the sensory processes as a means to better understand the way your mind functions and flows. And of course, that makes it a bit of a challenge to put into words. So I thought I'd expand on what I started last week in this episode today. You're certainly welcome to pause right now and then go back and listen to episode seven first, although I don't think it's necessary. Mm, I think. <laughs> we'll see. Anyhow, what I hope to share with you today is more on this topic of yoga and offer you two simple practices that you can start to incorporate in your life today to help you embody the wisdom of these teachings and with practice, experience more ease in your body, clarity in your mind, and peace in your heart. I'm Michelle Robinson, entrepreneur, yoga teacher, Ayurveda consultant, and life student, and your host on this podcast, Om at Home. yoga texts that I've mentioned in previous episodes is the Yoga Sutra of Patanjali. It's a four-part manual of sorts aimed at defining and explaining the philosophy of yoga. Written in yoga's native tongue, which is Sanskrit, countless scholars have spent years interpreting its message and meaning for aspiring practitioners like you and me. And because I'm very much still a student of this method of moving through life, I sometimes need a few kicks at the can before managing to interpret this philosophy in my own way. So again, many, many scholars of Indian philosophy have dedicated their lives to interpreting the lessons laid out in Patanjali's teachings. Over the course of the text, Patanjali goes into great detail about explaining the concept of yoga, the practices behind achieving yoga, and the benefits and outcomes of a life dedicated to those practices. As I mentioned, yes, there are postures, but interestingly enough, Patanjali only gives directives on sitting poses throughout the entire transcript. Sukhasana, or what's often called easy pose, which is that good old crisscross applesauce posture we learned while in elementary school sitting on the floor. Now, of course, there's so many variations of this pose and modifications to make it accessible. But really, that's all that Patanjali explains in the Yoga Sutras is that no matter what the pose is that you're doing, 
It should be steady and comfortable for your body so that there is no physical distraction surfacing and taking the mind away from observing itself. How interesting is it that if you search up the word yoga on the internet, you get a myriad of pictures of people in postures and little to no information about this kind of mind analysis practice. You gotta keep scrolling and looking and scrolling and looking some more. And of course, this is a misdirective. As a yoga teacher, it's one of the things that I strive to do and demonstrate in each and every class I offer. To be fully engaged in the present moment is the yoga. Even here as I speak into the microphone, I'm challenged to be fully engaged. I'm distracted by traffic noise on the street outside. And then of course, smelling my incense. I'm all of a sudden reminded of India when I'm in the motherland. But ultimately, these are all external distractions and they are everywhere all the time. Then of course, there are internal distractions like self-doubting thoughts that are, yes, at this very moment, silently swirling between my ears right now too. Everything from what if your message is unclear or what if you make a mistake or what if nobody cares what you have to say about yoga? These are all happening in my head right now. And I'm sure, like me, you have a playlist of messages. But by way of yoga, we learn to decipher which ones are true and meaningful and which ones are downright disruptive, manipulative, and sometimes rather harmful. The point that I'm trying to make is that practicing yoga is freaking hard. In fact, if there is an easy piece of the practice, I'd say it's the postures themselves. Everyone can sit. You might not sit for long, rather comfortably, but you know, that's what yoga and the postures are all about. That's where the postures come into play so that we feel supported and sitting becomes more accessible. What's not easy during a physical practice on your yoga mat is when the swirling thoughts push you and me to go bigger, to try harder, to be fitter, leaner, stronger, when you know you've already reached the threshold and are on the brink of a breaking point. Let's go back to Patanjali in this manual with which he intended its content and context. In the opening line, Patanjali reveals a sort of preview of his book, but also gives away the meaning of yoga. He writes, Atta yoga nushasanam, which translates to now is the practice of yoga. This statement both prepares us, the readers, the practitioners for what's to come in further pages, but it also drops a hint that everything, everywhere and everyone is yoga. Because the notion of now is now, like right now. Now, my voice in your ears. Now, this moment, this breath, this body, this thought, these words are all now and they merge together, they yoke, as he explains, into oneness. Everything about us and our lives seems separate, yes, but they aren't. What is now is a culmination of all of the things and events that have led up to this point in time. In my classes, I often like to reference this kind of notion as a tapestry, where I help students visualize the moment of now as a piece of thread that is weaving or has been weaved into a symbolic kind of tapestry or image that ultimately represents now. 
This is why I say that postures are the easy part of yoga compared to trying to understand and then put into a consistent practice this concept of the continuous merging of all things which we perceive as separate. It makes standing in warrior two for two minutes sound like a piece of cake. Next, Patanjali explains the what of yoga. He writes, yoga vritti nirodaha, or in English, yoga is the practice of mastering the ever-changing states of mind. Now, over my years of study and practice, I've heard and read a variety of different translations of all of these verses that I'm talking about, but all of them in some way express a very similar notion. Sanskrit scholar Shyam Ranganathan, I think that's how you say his name, apologies, translates this sutra as, quote, yoga is the control of the moral character of thought. Similarly, another translation by Mr. BKS Iyengar explains, yoga is the stilling of the changing states of the mind. And then I really love this beautiful interpretation by a lady named Nishchala Joy Devi, who is a renowned yoga expert, teacher, and a healer. And she translates this sutra called 1.2 in this way, quote, yoga is the uniting of consciousness in the heart. Now in her book, The Secret Power of Yoga, Nishchala expands on her translation of the sutra in this way, quote, Deep within our hearts, we abide as pure divine consciousness. But with the material world pulling us every which way, our consciousness is drawn outside. As our knowledge of the divine self slowly fades, it takes with it the understanding of our true nature. Further along, she continues with this, quote, Consciousness abides in the heart, not in the mind, as many believe. But when we realize that it is the heart that is the holder of our consciousness, reunion seems more likely. When this sutra is translated referencing only the mind, the emphasis is on control, restraining, or some form of restriction. It encourages students to be harsh with the consciousness, but the heart responds more readily to tenderness and gentle caring treatment of your consciousness is the best way to liberate it. Beautiful, isn't it? Imagine what our world might look like if there was a global practice of invoking a kind of tenderness in all our actions. Or even better yet, what could your life look like and feel like if you could demonstrate a conscious kindness and compassion in every thought you think. This is yoga. This is what this philosophy and practice is all about. Yoga is a practice of generating kindness and respect for yourself and all beings. It's an opportunity to identify your beliefs and reflect on where and how they came to be. It's a practice of acknowledging and accepting your actions and reactions. It's a dedication and investment of your time and energy and it's a learning of how to trust with utmost faith your path and your process. Now, as I said in my introduction, I wanna offer you two simple things you can do right now today to help you generate some of the benefits and outcomes of a regular and consistent yoga practice. Here's the first one. 
I invite you to start noticing a repeating thought that doesn't serve you. We all have that playlist in our head that offers reinforcing and or negative messaging. So I invite you to zone in on one thought pattern that you know in your heart to be false and discrediting. When that thought surfaces, take a deep breath and drop into your body. Then as you gently exhale, visualize that thought floating away. This is a practice I do repeatedly. Daily, I notice a thought pattern of you're not good enough. And every time it surfaces, I affirm the standing or seated position I'm in. And with my exhale, imagine that thought forming into a bubble and gently drifting away with my exhale. I usually repeat this a few times before then coming back and engaging with what's in front of me. The second practice I invite you to do is to find one act, to do one thing every day that supports your physical health and well-being. This could be anything from drinking a full glass of water, of room temperature, first thing in the morning when you wake up to hydrate properly, or turning your phone off even for just 30 minutes each day, or unrolling your yoga mat and doing just one posture, even just one seated posture. Whatever it is, make it something that is relatively easy for you to commit to so that you can actually make it a daily practice. In Sanskrit, this is what we call sadhana, and it's a daily practice that serves to promote an honest but disciplined self-care regime. And that's what we mean by repeatedly. Sadhana means every day. So find one act, one thing you can do for yourself that you can put into practice diligently every single day. I only know what I know today about yoga because I've repeatedly shown up, even on the days when I didn't want to, to give my heartfelt best to be engaged in my practice, which is of learning to see, hear, feel, and know the truth of my actions and reactions in life. In doing so, I'm slowly learning to know more clearly how those actions affect and influence the world and the people around me. To offer you one last little piece for today as to what and why one would want to practice yoga, I turn once again to Patanjali and his third sutra where he writes, Tada Drashtu Svarupe Vastanam, which means, and I quote Nischela Joy Devi again on this, United in the heart, consciousness is steadied. Then we abide in our true nature, joy. When consciousness reunites and remains undisturbed, our true divine nature is revealed as joy. The expression of this joy is infinite love, which encompasses and then transforms everything it touches. I think I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I hope that you've enjoyed this part two of the art and act of yoga and that in some small way you've gained something to understand the gift of what yoga is. Until next time, drop me a line, visit the Ambiance Yoga website, or better yet, unroll your yoga mat next to mine so we can practice in studio together. Mm -hmm.